already said. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about building a spiritual house, a spiritual house. What does it mean that uh, we could build a home for God? So first thing is, uh, if you've ever built a home before, you've been, or some of you have been in construction or whatever, uh, you know there's a lot of specialization that goes into building a home. John and Angie, uh, wherever they are, they're building a home right now, and so they can tell you more about it. But uh, my family's built a couple of homes over the years, and you know, from the very beginning, you've got your general contractor, and then you've got your, your carpenters and your craftsmen who, who do that, or from even that, you have the, uh, in Missouri, we have the concrete guys who do the basements, and then you've got your skilled labor on the inside, from with the guys who do your cabinets, to the electricians, to the the plumbers, to the drywall guys, to the roofers. I mean, you just all kinds of specializations that make one big house complete, right? And they're all working off the same blueprints. Uh, can you imagine what would happen if every team in constructing a house showed up just doing whatever they wanted to do? Wouldn't that just be chaos? You know, the plumbers wouldn't put a bathroom in the living room. He doesn't know where it goes. And the electricians, maybe you had a house like this before. Uh, you ever had those houses where you had a light switch? You had no idea what it did. There's a commercial where the guy's flipping the light switch and his neighbor's garage is going up and down. You know, there's, what if you had a, a construction project where everyone just showed up and said, hey, I did my job. I went home. It was all about me. And then, uh, then you, the homeowner came home and then you're like, what in the world kind of house did you build? So... Uh, what kind of chaos would be in the dwelling of the homeowner? So my parents have built, uh, over the course of my life, my parents have built a couple of houses. I remember when I was in high school, they built this first house that we built. And so uh, it was their first home to ever build, and we, it was a dream home for them. And, and uh, I remember us, we got the general contract, and we got all the things uh, lined out. But my dad is a little like me. He's a little uh, OCD with how we do things. And so uh, every day really to help save money, he would show up at the construction site, right? He would show up and uh, he would organize the lumber for the next day. We would tell the construction crew, don't worry about sweeping or cleaning up. We're gonna come in, save time and money. Y'all just get the project done because we got a deadline on when we wanna get in the house. So we'll sweep, we'll pick up the trash. And so dad would come home and he uh, come to the house uh, that they were building and he would check on it, make sure everything was where he thought it was going to be and well we really want an outlet over here and he'd make those marks and we'd run to Lowe's and get the doors and the doorknobs for him to save time and uh, uh, as they sometimes for some people that might be annoying for some of these contractors but dad is like this is going to be my home and some people who were on the job site that that year really you could tell they didn't really care who was going to live there they kind of worked, and this certain crews would work at their own pace, and they'd throw their cigarette butts down inside the house or, you know, right outside, and they just left the trash. Dad would find half-used pieces of lumber that was like, oh, we could finish using that. Don't just throw, this is my money. Like, you're wasting wood, you know, and you cut a piece a little wrong, and you say, oh, just throw the whole board away. And Dad would save that and, and cultivate it to think, this is going to be our home. Well, those people would come in, they were just saying, well, my job is just to come in and do my job, and what's a little waste, so what, what if we don't, who cares if we don't quite get to schedule on at the end of it, uh, because they just said, I'm just going to do my thing, and I'm going to go home, because this wasn't going to be their home, right? But my dad's presence was a regular reminder that this was going to be somebody's home, he had an interest in how this thing was going to be built. I think about that with the church. I think about that with the church. 
Well, I'll even say that later, we would, um, we went before, right before the painters came, we went into the house and we wrote scriptures on every single wall, on every single door, over every doorpost, on the drywall. And we had our pastors come in and bless the home and we prayed and we walked around the home. Because this home was going to be something spiritual. A family who loved the Lord was going to live in this home. And this was our home. And so all these pieces had to come together to make a spiritual dwelling. Church can be that way for so many people. We can treat God's church kind of carelessly. We just show up, we do a few things, we go home, and we think this quality of work satisfies the homeowner. But this is somebody's home. What are we building? What's the blueprints? What's the point of church? What's the point of doing what we've done so far this morning? What's the point of the Baptist church and the Pentecostal churches and the Methodist churches and the Lutheran, the Presbyterian, the Catholic? What's the point of all this stuff all around the world? What's the point of really what we're all doing? And sometimes we can just come in and we can treat this thing carelessly and just say, I just did my part and then we want to go home. But this is the homeowner's home. And it matters what the homeowner thinks. The color pattern matters to the homeowner. Where that outlet is matters to the homeowner. Whether or not the construction crew comes in and throws cigarette butts down in the, in the, in the living room floor before it's made, it matters to the homeowner because this is something he wants to dwell in. Somebody say amen. amen. I think many Christians are living less than their purpose as we build this home together, they're living without a clarity of focus of what this thing is all about and what's my role and who's going to live there. And it's, a, it's living with a holy, reverent awe that the person who's going to live in this home is holy. The person who lives in this dwelling place, that God's church, he's holy. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today, that the homeowner is holy. What are we building? What's your job? And are we doing it well? Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Peter writes to this persecuted church in Asia Minor, and they're wondering, what is the point of all of our suffering? Peter, we are about to die, possibly, in the next couple of years. We're persecuting for no reason. And man, we don't even have a temple. We don't even have a priesthood. Like all these other religions in the world, they have a place where they can go. They have a priesthood. They have this whole system of religion set up. Even the Jews, Peter. I mean, you're a Jew, Peter. Even the Jews have a temple, and they have a priesthood. And it's like a legitimate, Christ it's a legitimate religion here. And Peter begins to explain to them something different about this religion that you should be willing to die for. And he says this, that they are going to be the temple and the priests of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. And like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord and coming to Him as living stone, which has been rejected by people, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Somebody say, a spiritual house a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. And the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. And this precious value then is for you who believe and for the, but, uh, for the unbeliever. But a stone which the builder rejected, this became the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense for they stumbled because they're disobedient to the word. In this, they were appointed. 
And he says, that's the house and that's what it's, uh, that's the job, that's the blueprints, that's, that's the construction project. He says, now you're the worker. And it looks what he does in verse nine. But you, this is your job. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were, not, for you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's as if in my mind, I want to kind of bring it out today that it, there's this calling, there's this, this election that says, I want to be on this construction project that you are highly chosen and elected to build something and be a part of something greater than yourself. That God, the homeowner, he was holy and he's building a holy habitation. And that yet there is this skilled labor, there's this, this calling, there's something that uh, a labor that is chosen for this job is the elite. They have a, a job to play. Man, uh, you know, probably when John and Angie are going to build their Cabinets. Now, I know John's a good woodworker. Uh, he might want to have a big part of building those cabinets exactly how John Smith wants to build those cabinets because he's not going to just get some guy who doesn't ever, who, never, who doesn't even know how to do an angle to put those things in because why? He cares about his cabinets because he knows about wood. So the same is true. There is this election of people who are called and equipped by God to build something better than normal, better than this world could offer. And the challenge is, is who are we, what are we building, and are we doing it well? The first point I want to tell you this morning is there is a better foundation. What God is building across the world for the last 2,000 years is a better foundation than anything has ever been built in the history of the world. This house God is building is something different. It's something he completely different. And he, first he says this is built on the cornerstone. A cornerstone is that part of ancient building. Sometimes it can mean the whole foundation, but oftentimes it meant that first large stone that set the direction of everything else. It would be a, a large, 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 uh, for instance, if you're building a temple, a huge monument monumental uh, uh, piece of rock carved and shaped and all the angles would be set off of it. Everything else would build off of the direction that you angled the cornerstone. That would be the corner of the foundation of the house. And he says, this is, this is Jesus. There is a cornerstone that Jesus Christ has become for what God is about to build. And that means that Jesus sets the foundation, Jesus marks the angles, everything else conforms to Jesus, and all the building from here on out depends on Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. He says, and there's this option. You can either build upon this cornerstone or you're gonna be crushed by it. He says, uh, the Jews in the ancient world, God had tried to build his kingdom from, for them and through them, but they continued to build the kingdom in the way they saw fit. They didn't use the blueprints that God had laid out before them. And that's how we are sometimes. We often try to build things separately from how God wants to build the church, how he wants to build our life, what he wants to do. We forget to mark the angles of our life and we begin to go this way or that way. He says the Jews did this. They began to build the kingdom of God in their own way after their own image or even followed worthless images and worthless idols. And they begin to build themselves up by their own works and their own righteousness. So much so they thought as long as we have the temple, nobody can touch us. And so God began to judge them. And he would send his son, Isaiah would prophesy, and he would send his son, he, Isaiah would say, because of your pride, in Isaiah 28, thinking that God would not discipline you, he would lay a stone to test you. It'd be a costly cornerstone, Isaiah said, but it would set the foundation of God's kingdom firmly in place. And those who believe in this stone will never be disturbed. 
And that's why God said Jesus came to test the Jews. He began to test the world. He said, this is going to mark the beginning of something different. You can either stumble over this rock, you can be crushed by this rock, or you can build your life upon this rock. This rock is going to set the direction for how God wants to build his house. Amen? He says, and if you would do this, you'll be chosen. Chosen to be a part of the great building program. Chosen to be a part of this great spiritual kingdom. And God would call you to be a living stone in a spiritual temple. So Peter says, guys, you don't need this old set of religiosity. He says there is a new temple built on the costly, precious value of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's going to set the angles in your life. And if you would be a part of this great, glorious plan, you will be a contracted labor to be a part of the greatest building the world has ever seen. You are going to be a spiritual stone in his house, and you are going to be a spiritual minister, a spiritual laborer, a spiritual priest, a part of building this up. So what does that mean for you and me? That Christ is either, he's like a magnet. You will either be drawn to him or repelled by him. He's, he's the one that you'll either conform to him and you'll obey his word or you'll be judged by his word. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. And we can pretend to have middle ground in this life and say, well, I actually believe in Jesus. And we know the scripture even says that but the demons believe the demons know Jesus. Even other religions will believe that there was a Jesus, but do you conform to him? Is your life set off of his angles? Does everything in your life build upon his work, or is it built upon your own work? Is it built upon his identity, or is it built on your identity? Is it built about what I want to do with my life, or is it built what he says he wants to do with your life? Amen? He says, this is the direction. This is what's going to determine if this thing, if you are a part of the house of God, you either have to be chosen or you'll be crushed. You'll either have to be built or you'll be destroyed. Nothing in this church is going to be built on man's self-effort. It's not going to be built on talents or ability. It's not going to be built on a political party. It's not going to be built as a social club. It's not going to be built as a business. This is a spiritual kingdom. And it's not going to be divided by man's opinions, because Lord knows we have a lot of opinions. It's going to be built by holy people who want to build a holy habitation because they care about the homeowner. Number two is, it's a better foundation, but it's also built with a better set of builders. You know, the word tabernacle, Moses had the tabernacle. Solomon built the temple. Tabernacle means dwelling place. God said, I want to be building a dwelling in the midst of people's mess. Moses, I want to come down off the mountain. Build me a dwelling place, a tabernacle. Or I can come be in the middle of my people. They can't come up to me, Moses, but I want to come down to them. Build me a dwelling place. Solomon, build me a permanent temple. Temple means house. We have this fancy word we use, temple. But really God's saying, I want a house a permanent house in the middle of my people that they can run to and find rest in a time of need, that the nations will come into my house. That's what Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Who? For the nations to come in. God, there's an old song we, we, uh, we joked in, uh, we were talking this week, my, uh, God is building a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms, right? Not the most theologically based song uh, in the end, right? We don't play football in God's house in the spiritual sense, right? But there's this house that God wants everybody over to his house, and he wants people to build his house the right way. It's not really about what a pastor thinks. 
and how he wants to build his church, that's great. But that's not really God's house. This house is built by living stones. This house is global. This house spans thousands of years. This house is spiritual. And it's for those who become living stones, indwelling people of the Holy Spirit. And he says, this, stone, this house was built by Levites and priests. So if you go back in the Old Testament... There's a group of skilled laborers who built the temple of God in the tabernacle. And most of these men uh, were Levites. They were from the tribe of Levi. They were people who were consecrated, set apart. And if you go to the temple when it was built, uh, these skilled laborers would come uh, and they would build the temple. And people get excited. Let's get a part of the building program, the greatest building program Israel has ever seen. And then they gave all their goods and their, 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 they got out grandma's you know, earrings and they melted them down and they gave them to the Lord because this is worth it, what we're building. This is something where God is going to come dwell in the midst of us. God, because we want to build a house because God's holy. And so they got these skilled laborers and they, they called them Levites. And Levites were the people who had chosen to be fully dedicated to God. Levites didn't dress the same way. They didn't do the same thing. In fact, their whole family, man, woman, boy, and girl, were raised their entire life to be doing something a part of God's kingdom. In the Levite family, they would, they would repair the, the temple walls if they got uh, dirty or, or destroyed. They would offer sacrifices for other people. They would be telling the rest of Israel how they could come in properly and have a relationship with God. They would teach the word of God to the generations after them. And in the Levites, as they cleaned up the blood of sacrifices and they swept the temple and they repaired any place, no other man, no other woman of outside in the, in the, in the world could touch those things. Only these people. They were consecrated. They dressed differently. They act differently. They walk differently. They talk differently. Because they were there to minister to God. They said, God, we care about this holy dwelling. And we give up our whole life to say, God, we want to make a place where you come in the middle of us. And then in that, there was a priesthood. And the priests were only those who could offer the sacrifices. Only the high priest could make the ultimate sacrifice once a year, and he could go into the holy place where God's presence fully manifested. With the Ark of the Covenant, you've seen, right? Uh, and he says, there's this once and for all high priest, Jesus Christ. And all the other priests and all the other Levites were there to serve and minister through him. And Christ, our once and for all high priest, has come, and he's made, an inner, he's made a sacrifice where there may, from now on there's no more sacrifice. And he laid his own life down the altar so that we can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. But all these other priests, there were still Levites and other priests, and they were there to serve through this one high priest. And they were there to give their life to minister to the Lord. In song, they would sing to the Lord. They would play skilled instruments and worship the Lord. They would repair the Lord's house. They would make sure the Lord's house was properly in order because they gave their life to worship. All of that is worship. All of that is worship. So what does that mean for us? He says, guys, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. God has made you, uh, Revelation says, to be a kingdom of priests. That means that you and I as a church, if we are a part of this, this, we're the plumbers and we're the electricians and we're the carpenters and we're the roofers and the painters to build up a place, a church for God's dwelling, that we care about the homeowner and we are there to make something that pleases him. That means that number one is be holy. Be holy. It means to be consecrated and set apart. It means that at the very beginning of this, he says, put off all malice, put off all deceit, put off all hypocrisy. 
When the Levites would come into service, especially the priests, they would out, there was actually a little room outside the inner courts area. And they would go into that room and they would strip off their natural clothes that they lived their life with. And they'd put on a holy garb. And that day, before they do that, they would, they would, make a, uh, they would wash their hands and feet with water. Symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And then they would go and make a sacrifice for their own life before they ministered to anybody else. They would let their own life be covered by the blood. And then they would go in and say, God, how can I serve you today? Because I know you want the nations to come into your house. How can I help the nations come into your house? It meant leaving behind your old life. And Paul, even in Ephesians, says, put off those old things. Take off that old self and put on the new self that's created in righteousness and holiness of truth. There's something new, a robe of righteousness that's clean and purified to give your life in ministry to God. And that's your purpose. Listen to me, church. That's your purpose. You are not to live as the rest of the world lives. You're to put on something new, wash yourself in the Holy Spirit, be covered by the blood of Jesus, and give your life to help God reach the nations, to worship the Lord. That everything you do, whether it's sweeping up, whether it's putting some electrical wiring in, whether it's roofing, whether whatever you do, some people in the Levites would sing and they would write songs and they'd be a part of the choir. All of them together, though, were working together to build a dwelling place for a holy homeowner. So this thing, it's not about us. It's not about Pastor Heath. It's not about sanctuary. This is a global movement. Say, God, we are building something for you to live in. And it means I'll be holy. And he says this, you are here to make spiritual sacrifices while Christ has given his sacrifice, it means I can be, Romans says, a living sacrifice. I can be a sacrifice with how I worship. I can be a sacrifice with how I give my money. I can give a sacrifice of how I give my time. That my whole life, it's not a division between secular and sacred anymore. There's not church work and go to work work. There's not worshiping God with Christian music and then other music. Well, that's good. I'm not condemning secular music. I'm saying that everything you sing is worship. Everywhere you go is worship. Everything you do is worship because your whole life is worship. You are made to minister to God. So how does that challenge me? That worship is what I'm here to do. I want to think about my life as, as ministering to the Lord. I know that I come here and I minister to you. But my job, first and foremost, is to minister to God because he's the homeowner. I could come in here and make this church whatever I feel like I wanted it to make and our leadership could take it and wherever we wanted to go. And you can find churches that fit your needs and churches that fit your comfort and churches that please you and tickle your ears and churches that look the way you want to want, sing the way you want to want, smell the way you want to want, have people that look like you and talk like you. You can find it to however you suit your need. But that is not about, it's not about you. And it's not about me. This whole thing is saying, God, you are the homeowner. What do you want us to build? Lastly is this. He says, build a better home. There's a better foundation. It's a better way of building. And there's a better home. You know, when they built the tabernacle, they were giving away so much. Uh, Moses actually had to come and say, hey, hey, tell people, stop giving so much to the tabernacle. We've got more than enough. That's amazing just to think about that in a sense. How excited are you to be a part of building a spiritual house for God?
We can get so caught up in all the things that we want to do, but this home that we're building is so much better than anything this world has ever seen. Ephesians says, you are, built on the, you are having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself became that cut cornerstone in whom the whole building was fitted together and now it's growing into a holy temple in the Lord. And he says, you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. And then when Paul talks about temple, he uses this word naios, which is the inner courts. It's the, and not just this outer stuff. He says, you are building together in Micah and Chad and Beth and Pastor Christian and Joe, all of you together have become living stones and you are actually, as you are conformed into his image and as he begins to mold you in your gifts and you begin to minister to God, as you come together in perfect unity, he says, man, that's the inner courts of the temple. That's the place where God dwells. It's not just this outer stuff. It is the innermost place where only the high priest could go. And now you, 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 all together, as you come together, not about your own preferences and your own identities and your own purpose, but when you come together for his glory and his purpose and his focus, man, this church is going to be the indwelling place of God. It's when we use his blueprints, everything fits together. That's because there's unity in his house, there's grace in his house, there's selfless service in his house, there's humility, there's honor, because it's building itself up in love. That's what he's building. And why is he doing it? He says in that last part, before we close, he says, I love what the message says. It says, all of this so you can proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But I love what the message says. It says, he's doing all this so you can tell others the night and day difference God's made in your life. I like that. He's, he's doing all this because you're gonna tell the world the night and day difference God has made in your life. As we come together and say, God, it's like that, that construction project with my dad. We could all come in here and come and be a part of our church and say, this is really about sanctuary. I don't really care what Trinity's doing or Life Point's doing. I don't care what LNA Baptist Church is doing. I don't care what people are doing up north or in south or in Africa. I don't really care what missions is. Man, we're just going to be about ourselves. We're going to come in. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to go home. I'm not, you know, into the programs of this church. I just want to come in to hear the pastor preach and then do my thing, put my money in the, in the thing and go home. And that should make them happy, right? You know, you could come into a church and treat it carelessly, you can give up your time carelessly, you can entertain worldly things carelessly, you can be busy with all your own thing. And you could say to someone, you say, well, aren't you happy I showed up today? I say, well, yes, but you didn't worship, you didn't serve, and your attitude kind of stank. So what's the point? What are we building? We're no better than those construction workers who were cutting off the corners, didn't care about their timeline, didn't care what kind of trash they threw down in the house. They just come in, did their job, and they went home. But this homeowner is holy. That means I care how I speak to my brother. I care how I love you. I care about your gifts and what it matters that your gifts are being used for the glory of the God. It matters that we're in unity. It matters that we speak to one another in love. It matters that we build one another up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. It matters that we're in unity with other denominations and other churches. It matters that we don't have cliques in our church. It matters that we're going to one direction. It matters that we seek the Lord in prayer and that this thing is really not about a pastor or a team or a church or denomination. It's about Jesus. 
and he wants to live in the middle of us. And it's such a high honor to be able to serve. It's a high honor to come into this place and worship with you and say, God is in the midst of us. This has never happened in universal history that we could have access. We are Gentiles. We were without a people. We had no identity into this plane, but we were once not a people. But now we are the people of God. And it's an honor to work on his house. It's an honor to be his electrician. It's an honor to be his plumber. Man, wouldn't you just set the toilet seat of God? I mean, I don't know, whatever. You think, that's a low thing. But no, if it's his house and he's going to dwell in it, man, I don't care what it is. I want to be a part of the greatest building project the world has ever seen. He says, I want you to remember who you are. If you just think you're just some roofer coming in to do a little piddly job and go home and go watch TV, he says, you're not going to get it. No, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for God's possession so that you can tell people the night and day difference that this homeowner has made in my life. If you build your life on Jesus Christ and you let him set the angles, he says you'll become living stones. And the Holy Spirit's going to be in you. That means you have to conform to His image. It means you have to conform to other people around you. Just like these bricks all have to match and meet each other. They're all different in their own way. Not one brick on this wall over here is exactly the same. But they all conform to one another. They were set by the master builder to build a purpose for building a wall. We're all different. But we still conform together. He says, and if you do that, you're also not just like the living stones of the inner part of it. As you conform to Christ and you build on Christ, you become living stones, but you also become this set of builders and ministers to God. You have a purpose. You have a high calling. And what are you doing with it? How are you giving over your gifts and time and talent and treasure to the Lord? How are we treating our gatherings as holy? How do we come in with reverent and awe and say, God, I may not have any relationship with these people except because we are Christians together. That's a holy thing. God's made a family. We would never, I would probably, I would never have moved to Gina or been a part of you. Many of you would never have any relationships with each other because you're not related or you don't have anything in common. But we're something special. God's brought us together to be a family. He's brought people of all walks in life and colors and creeds and backgrounds. And we get to heaven, there's going to be tribes and tongues and nationalities for the last thousands and thousands of years. And heaven is going to be the most beautiful temple the world has ever seen. And God is going to fully dwell in the middle of us. And you're going to look back and say, man, I had a part of building that. And my life is given to ministry to him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're made to worship. You're made to worship. How are you, how are you ministering to the homeowner? Have we been careless of how we talk to others? Have we been careless with our time? Have we been entertaining worldly things carelessly? Have we been so busy doing our own thing? that we've been careless with our calling and our ministry gifts. You are a royal priesthood. You are living stones. God has called you. He's equipped you. He's chosen you. He's chosen you to be a part of something so great. 
This homeowner is holy. This homeowner is holy. So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray for clarity of purpose for your church. God, I pray clarity of identity for every person who is lost and, Lord, what they are wanting to be and do. Lord, even those of us who've been saved for many years, sometimes we can just lose our clarity of focus of what the point of all this thing is about. God, we can come in and we can just do our own thing and go home. But God, let us see the beauty of your holiness again. Let us see the wonder and awe of what you're doing, of how you're redeeming lives, but how you're saving people. God, Lord, that we can come together in our differences and worship and unity. God, let us be in awe once again of what you're building. Let us see, Lord, not just with contempt the things that we are different in, or God, Lord, to think about other churches in a, in a lower way, but God, you're doing something that spans denomination, that spans race and culture and creed, that spans ages, that spans preferences and likes. God, you're building a beautiful, glorious dwelling place in the midst of a broken people who were, had no hope, who were lost in darkness, but God, we have been conformed to your image. Lord, transported into your kingdom, built upon Jesus Christ. God, to be a dwelling place of your wonderful temple, of your wonderful spirit. God, would you move in our hearts again? Lord, for those of us, maybe we're not using our gifts. God, maybe, maybe Lord, we're not really invested in building up your people. God, would you call us deeper? Would you call us deeper? And maybe you're here today.